history tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And welcome to the one-year anniversary show of the History Goes Bump podcast. Oh, I know. It's exciting, isn't it? Denise, can you believe that we've been doing this for a year? I cannot. Did you think you'd be doing this for a year? I wasn't sure because the first podcast, I thought that might be kind of <laughs> it for me. <laughs> like, this is like uh, intimidating. <laughs> well, I didn't fire you and you didn't give up. So we're doing awesome. Right. And our spectacular people, whether it be our listeners or our crew, are the ones that really have kept me going because I love the relationship we're building with them. Well, I thought that we were just going to be starting this podcast because it was something that I know I wanted to listen to. I knew it was something that we were both interested in. I had no idea that it was going to do as well as it has. And with as much as we've grown, especially in the last months of this first year, I just can't even imagine what's going to be coming in the future. Not only have we had more downloads than I thought we were going to, the emails and the community and the friendships that we have developed over this last year. Oh, absolutely. Our next road trip, we aren't going to be hanging out in cities by ourselves and a lot of the cities. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. And Denise, a lot of people, when they do their anniversary shows, they like to do retrospectives and go back and highlight some of the top shows and maybe top interviews that they've had, top subjects. But I don't know, to me, that seems a little redundant when you're doing a podcast because people can go back and listen to any show they want to as many times as they want to. And for us, we've had a lot of new listeners coming on board lately. And I don't think there's too many of them that we haven't heard from that aren't doing the binge listen thing, which is what I do as well when I find something I really like. So it would really be redundant to them because they would have just listened to the shows. Well, and we've heard from several of our listeners that they go back and re-listen to shows that they've already listened to as well. Exactly. So I thought what would be fun on this show is a new development that we have that we're going to be taking into this new year, new season of the History Goes Bump podcast. It's our research crew. They're going to be helping us out here in October. Thank God, because we're going to need all the help we can get. As we were talking with them, we told them, you know, something we haven't mentioned is we've got family coming into town in October as well, and we'll have people staying at our house, and it's going to be nuts around here. Plus, we want to put out a ton of content to you guys. And we need to decorate for Halloween. Exactly. So we're going to introduce these people to you, so you'll get to know each and every one of them, and they're going to tell you a little bit about themselves, and then we're going to ask them a couple of questions to just get to know them a little bit better. And then after we're done with that, we're going to take some questions from the audience, and we'll answer those. And here's just a quick rundown of the HGB research crew. We have Dan Foytick, Philip Childers, Amy Connor, Stephen Pappas, Leanna Sapien, Aaron Exner, Rachel Horry, Sharon Spungen, Carbon Lilies, Jessica Bell, Freya Porter, Jesse Harms, and April Rogers Crick. We're going to introduce each of those people to you. 
Both Dan Wojtek and Philip Childers will not be joining us on this roundtable because they're going to join us on our Halloween roundtable, which we will be bringing to you later in the month of October. But just to let you know a little bit about these gentlemen, Dan Wojtek is from Pittsburgh. He's a writer, podcaster, and founder of the Night Story Studios. He hosts the Parsec-nominated Night Story podcast, the Parsec-nominated The Wicked Library, and the upcoming podcast, Listen am writing and the highly anticipated first season of The Lift. He's the keeper of Victoria, and for that, we are grateful. And for those of you who have been listeners of the podcast for a while, you're probably familiar with who Victoria is. And also, I'm very pleased to announce that I will be writing one of the stories for that upcoming season of The Lift. Philip Childers is from New York and considers himself a skeptic. He's a history lover, mead maker, and podcaster. Uh, encourage you guys to check out his podcast, The Hateful Dead. We've talked about that here on the show as well. If you are a fan of zombies, you're going to love that show, especially if you tune into The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead. We have a few of our members who were not able to join us, either because they're international and trying to link everybody up with the time zone was nearly impossible, or they were a little shy about being on air. So we're going to share a little bit about them with you guys. We have Erin Exner. She's from Colorado. I've known Erin ever since we were little schmoes, and that's what I call little kids. <laughs> we go all the way back to elementary school. We have had many a wonderful Halloween together. As a matter of fact, we went trick-or-treating even when we were in college, which is why I love the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween party, because you can trick-or-treat as an adult. So it's so awesome. Erin is very much into the horror and paranormal, and one of her claims to fame is that she is the one who suggested our episode about the Velisca Axe Murder House, and she's the one who stayed in it overnight. <laughs> she and her husband slept in the bed, and they could actually see the axe marks on the ceiling from where they were lying. I don't know if I could do that. Rachel Horry, she is from Australia. She is a mom and who's always been interested in the paranormal, the weird and the strange. She loves the blurring of lines between the mystical and reality and how sometimes truth is really stranger than fiction. She loves mythology, reading, true crime, art, writing, nature, and scaring herself with true scary stories. She tries to make every day with her family a new adventure. Jessica Bell currently resides in Ontario, Canada with her gentle giant husband and endlessly busy children. She works in medical sales and is known in her neighborhood as the bus stop mom. She has an interest in the paranormal for many years, and she's fascinated by psychology and the powers of the mind. So history and paranormal go hand in hand for her. Freya Porter, many of you are familiar with her. She's joined us on a couple of our episodes already. She is also from Australia. She's a student down there, and she's a fabulous researcher. She's done great work for us so far, and we're looking forward to working with her in the future. And she has always been interested in the paranormal and more specifically into history. Sharon, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where you're from and a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I am a mom of two wonderful boys and the wife of the most patient man in the universe. I'm a writer and a blogger and a fellow Taekwondo artist. And you just were recently published, weren't you? Yes, ma'am. Actually, it's going to be coming out very shortly, I had a story written for Chicken Soup for the Soul, which was published in their new upcoming title called Think Possible. Excited about. We're very excited for you. That's such an awesome accomplishment. Not many people get published. 
Well, you know, ma'am, I was not expecting to be one of them. So when I heard that they wanted my story, I was kind of floored. This is Jessie Harms. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I'm 28 years old, and I grew up in South Carolina and have lived here, obviously, my entire life. I lived in the Columbia area growing up, and I went to college in Charleston and just never left. (laughs) It seems like a great city we want to visit. Actually, we are visiting next year. (laughs) I grew up as an only child, still an only child, except for my parents' mini pin. (laughs) (laughs) I've always grown up knowing that there is actually something else other than humans in the world. My mother actually grew up with a ghost in the house who used to play tricks on my great-grandfather, still plays it on my grandfather, and will play it on my mom if she's there. (laughs) Wow. Do they have any idea who it is? Actually, my great-grandfather thinks they figured out who it was before he passed away. There was a colonial house. They live in Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. There was a colonial house up on the hill next to a huge magnolia tree, and it got struck by lightning, and there was a lady who lived there named Catherine, and every description they have of her, other than just being in white, is a big dress. So my great-grandfather it was assuming that it was her. But, you know, she doesn't do anything mean. She just plays, she'll move stuff. She actually, my great-grandfather had seen her. He put She put her hands over his eyes and he thought it was my great-grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, who are you talking to? She was. He goes, oh, obviously not you. <laughs> my other woman? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grown up with that and been interested in that since I was really little. Well, very cool. You're in the right place then for haunted history here at History oh. Goes Bump. Oh, yes. And just just with that, have you ever had an experience with, with that particular ghost? We don't, yes, but I've had an experience in that house, a couple experiences in that house. We're not sure if it was my great-grandmother or if it was her. I was actually very, very blessed growing up that my great-grandparents, my Great grandmother, she passed away when I was 12 or 13. And my great grandfather passed away when I was 15 or 16. And, you know, so I actually knew them. So the day of my great grandmother's funeral, my, my, it's split level ranch house. I opened the downstairs store and I said, Mama, are you down here? She said, Yes. I said, Where are you? She said, Well, I'm down here. So I ran downstairs to get something. She wasn't down there. (laughs) That is weird. We don't know if it was my great-grandmother just letting us know she was okay, or if it was Catherine. (laughs) Very interesting. That is very Uh, interesting. Yes. I I come flying up the stairs crying. I was like, I don't know what it was. My mom's like, okay, you've got to chill. We actually, if you stay up late at night and you're very quiet in the house, you'll hear the stairs creak like somebody's walking up them. They don't creak when when humans walk up them. Oh, (laughs) that is really interesting. I wonder why. Maybe. When my great grandparents moved into the house, according to my mother, those weren't weren't carpeted. So my great grandfather actually carpeted the stairs to make the creaking stop, and it has never stopped. Wow! But so only when the ghosts walk, not not when not when the people who are here now walk. No, it's a different kind of creak. I mean, you know, it's an older, obviously older house. I mean, sure. my mom was little when they when they bought the house. It's a different kind of creak. And all you have to do is go, I hear you trying to sleep. 
I was just about to say it almost sounds residual since it's like creaking from the past, but that makes it intelligent. So (laughs) that is really bizarre. But my mom has always said she feels like she just walks all night long just to check on everybody in the house. She's just my great grandfather and my grandfather sincerely see her as she's just taking care of everybody, just watching, making sure everything's okay. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Amy, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what got you interested in the paranormal? Okay, my name is Amy and I live in Springfield, Missouri, by way of Louisville, Kentucky. I'm a recent transplant and I'm a wife and mom to uh, a little boy. And what got me interested in the paranormal, I don't know. It's I can't really think of any one thing that sticks out. It's just really interested me for as long as I can remember. I've always liked spooky things and ghost stories and watching the haunted history on the History Channel and the Travel Channel and things like that and and reading scary books. I remember um, checking out scary books from the library when I was like eight years old. <laughs> and it's just always been something that has really fascinated and scared me. And despite my fear, I keep coming back for more. So I'm not sure what that's all about. I was going to say, it's kind of like people riding roller coasters. They just keep going yeah. back for more. We like to be scared. Yeah. It's like some weird adrenaline rush or, or fear that's exciting or something. I'm not sure. But um, one of the first things I ever uh, read about uh, was the Myrtles Plantation, which I know you guys covered in a podcast. And that was just kind of what got it started when I was really young, reading a book about the Myrtles. And I've been interested in all things that are scary and historical ever since. (laughs) Well, April, you are up next. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in the paranormal? Okay. Well, my name is April. I am a, or actually soon to be, a single mom of one 10-year-old boy. We have four dogs, two cats. Should we Um, ask the details on that one? (laughs) You know, you probably don't want to get into that. It's a little (laughs) sordid. It's a good story, though. (laughs) I bet it is. Anyway, I am a history teacher at a local junior college, and I teach American history, and I also do book reviews and have a book review blog. And I abs- that's probably my favorite thing to do at this point. I am an avid reader, other than chasing my 10-year-old son around to soccer all the time. For me, getting in paranormal, I was probably about 12 years old, and my mom took me on a Memorial Day weekend trip to the Crescent in Eureka Springs. It was the first time I'd ever been there. And we were sleeping, and I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and there was a full apparition standing over the bed. <laughs> And wow. I didn't freak out. I don't know why, but I didn't. I was very calm and just kind of looked. He wasn't threatening. It just wasn't any big deal. And I went back to sleep. But when I woke up, I remember telling her about it. And ever since then, I have been fascinated by the paranormal. And in the history part of it has just always been there, too. So, <laughs> Wow. So you got what they consider to be the holy grail at the age of 12. I did, and I have been back several times and haven't got anything else, unfortunately. Well, I know we did that one as well, and it uh, it sounded was, like it was pretty haunted. Yeah, It is, and that was a fantastic podcast. I think that's probably one of the best ones. So. Oh, well, thank you very much. It was so cool. My aunt and uncle were out here to help my folks with the move that they made to come here. And they said, oh, well, we stayed at a haunted place once. And we said, oh, you did? And they said, yeah, the Crescent and Eureka, Arkansas. We're like, oh, holy cow. We wouldn't think most people would even know about that place. I love it. It's probably one of my favorite places to go. I'm hoping to take my son pretty soon. He really wants to go and check it out. So Very neat. All right. Well, up next, we have Carbon Lilies, which comes as a pair. Lana and John, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourselves 
and what got you interested in the paranormal. And tell them a little bit about your blog and everything as well. And I'll let you guys fight over who gets to go first. <laughs> That'll be an easy one. <laughs> I've been told that I'm doing this one. <laughs> so, John here. Hi, guys. Hi, John. Um, Hi, John. So uh, we're a, a couple of uh, road trip nerds and bloggers from Canada. We uh, got into the paranormal, I think, well, I guess each for different reasons. For me, I've just always been very intrigued by it. And I think it just came naturally for me because I've always, since I was probably born, I guess, since I was really little, um, I've always kind of known stuff and felt stuff. So it just, I don't think I've ever really thought about it much. It's just kind of been a part of my life. Um, and as for me, this is Lana, by the way. When I was very young, I was at my aunt's house and just playing in the basement. I got too close to a wood stove and some woman came and told me I shouldn't play there. And it freaked me out and I ran upstairs. When we came back down, there was nobody there. And uh, I saw a picture of it later and it was my grandmother that I had seen and she had passed away before I was even born. Oh, wow. So, what yeah. a neat experience. So from that point on, I've been very interested in what's out there. Wow, so that I think is really for, cool. Yeah, I think for us, it's, it's really been these experiences that have kind of fueled us. And, and then when we met and we realized how interested we both were in in the paranormal aspect of things but also in the travel aspect of things and exploration we decided to start writing about it and we decided to take a stab at a blog and so we decided to go the pseudonym route and came up with our names and and formed carbon lilies and and you can find us on tumblr <laughs> um and yeah, we just write about our experiences. We write about the places that we visit and the experiences that we have and how we feel about it and things that are kind of going on that really affect us. Very cool. And then we get the Canadian perspective as well. Yeah, and it seems to be fairly different sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Denise is over here going, oh, she's saying a boot. No, we have lots of Canadian friends, so we won't make too much fun of you. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> of course, whenever Diane does her accents, you can always give it right back. I know. <laughs> I am like the worst accent person, but I love doing them. <laughs> Stephen, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in the paranormal? And of course, people will recognize Stephen. He joined us from the Moses Cone Manor. <laughs> That's right. Back by popular demand by nobody. <laughs> I am here. Uh, yeah, no, I'm Stephen. I've uh, been on the once before. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, always kind of been interested in this sort of stuff. And, well, always since I was about eight. And I told that story last time I was on, and I won't bore you with it again. I've just always kind of found it really, really interesting. And so came across you guys, and I've, I've, I've jumped in head first. So... Yes, you have. It's like people raise their hands and we reel you in and say, okay. <laughs> you said yes. <laughs> Guess what? Here we Everybody go. needs a hobby. My name is Leanna. I'm in Chino, California, which is, I want to say, like 20 minutes away from Disneyland. So I love that. A little bit about myself. I, I'm 27. I work in marketing. I have a boyfriend. I enjoy food. And going to Disneyland, I have a premium pass. So I get to go all the time and just hanging out. I'm a big foodie, though. I love eating and I love hiking. And what got me into the paranormal, I really don't know. I seriously just had, I when growing up, I loved watching Tales from the Crypt. I loved watching ghost stories. It was just something that's always interested me. 
I think the idea of maybe the fact that it's real, it happens, enticed me to be interested into it. But I've never really had an experience until later in life. So I have no idea why I'm interested in the paranormal, but I have always been interested. That's very cool. And we know the feeling living 20 minutes away from the Magic Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my bucket list places to go. I need to go. All right. Well, the first question that we have for everybody is your favorite historical period. Aaron's favorite historical period was the Renaissance period. Rachel's favorite historical period is ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, Anglo-Saxon, Middle Ages, and Victorian. And she says, sorry, I really can't pick just one. Jessica's favorite historical periods include War of the Roses and the Elizabethan era. She says, I'm addicted to historical fiction that deals with women that live, survive during those periods. I'll be honest, I've always been a fan of the whole Salem witch trial genre. Very cool. So do you see yourself in that setting? Um, No. And and one of my great sadnesses is that even though I was in the Boston area twice this summer, I never got there. I've read about it and learned about it and studied it extensively, but never actually been there. So what is it about that period that appeals to you? Is it just, is it like the dress? Is it the way people lived? I think it's the drama. I think that I'm fascinated by the the intersection of religion and politics and government and the drama and the hysteria and how it spread. It, it's, to my mind, more of a cultural phenomenon than the specific time period. I just, I think... I think that that kind of hysteria could happen just as easily tomorrow in a very small, very tight-knit community that didn't have access to all the information that we have today. Just the the period, it's the um, kind of the bubble of the environment. Yes, and so one of the things we did find out when we were up in Salem is that not only has did it happen in Salem to the people that they proclaim to be witches, but it's happened to other groups and could very, very easily happen because it's happened to the Jewish population. It's happened to the Japanese Americans. It's happened to the um, gay population. And so um, you're very right. It's, it's the, the, that's what fascinated me as well. Great TV show out of it. (laughs) There you go. I would have to say it would be the historical period surrounding the civil war. (laughs) I love the history of that period. Well, you live in a good place for it, then, that's for sure. Yes, yes, indeedy. Yes. This one, all of these questions were really tough. I just want you guys to know that. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> thank you. you because it's me, a mutiny. And I'm sure for everyone else, I'm such a history lover and such a lover of your podcast that it's hard to pick just one. But if I had to really pick just one, I think my favorite historical period would be um, the 1800s. The the reasoning for that is I just really love the opulence and the ingenuity of that period. And, and, And this is just my personal opinion, but I really feel like that was just the true dawn of the modern era. That's when people really started thinking and doing new things and and which we've come a really long way since then. But it's just, it's all so interesting to me. Just, I love it. It's its really hard to describe why other than it, it's just really when people seem like they started thinking and doing new things. And it was the dawn of so many new things. And so that I think that that's my favorite time in history. 
April, how about you? What's your favorite historical period? Uh, I would have to say it's probably the 1800s, too. More or less the late 1800s. My area of focus is women's history. I just love how in the mid to late 1800s, women started finding themselves and realizing that they could be their own person and just step out there and fight. And that's just fascinated me ever since. The first time I ever read Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, Yes, I was thrilled. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people appreciate. When I hear a woman who says that she doesn't vote, I'm like, you must not know the history of women's suffrage. Because if you did, there's no way you would bypass voting. I totally exactly. agree with that. Those women I, I, exactly. Women's suffrage, it, it, it's amazing. I, these women fought so hard for us. And the fact that people, women don't take advantage of it mm-hmm. just makes me sad. Exactly. I always say you may not like who's on the ballot. Write something else in, but at least go and do it. Write exactly. yourself in. Just do it. <laughs> exactly. Lana and John, for each of you, what is your favorite historical period? Um, well, I think we both actually have the Victorian era in common as well. <laughs> but I did add also classical antiquity because I love Greek and Roman mythology. Sure. So I'm just to be different. I'm going to put that one out there. <laughs> okay, that works. And I think for me, um, for it's the Victorian era for me, really, because I love the Gothic revival architecture that was kind of coming back and competing against the classical era. And for me, it's also the music, because I grew up playing classical piano, and the Romantic era was really part of the Victorian era. So for me, it's, that's a huge part of it as well. And then there's also, you know, that darkness that's always portrayed kind of appeals to me. And the mysticism. I was just going to say, I bet you like that the spiritualism started going then, too. (laughs) (laughs) And Stephen, for you, what's your favorite historical period? Depends on the day. Uh, uh, I get kind of interested in different things as time goes on. Like right now, I'm really interested in like the Mongol Empire age and all the dynasties uh, and things that were going on in Asia and like the... 1200s and such, but I guess probably it would be middle 20th century, uh, which is what I studied mostly uh, in school, which basically from 35 to 70 was kind of my focus. Hmm. Very good. And so um, a lot of that tumultuous stuff that was going on in the States, especially during that point, and civil rights and all that sort of stuff. Well, and the gangsters were at the height of their power. Yeah, that's a good time. Oh, yeah. Interesting time. Oh, I love that part, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anything like mobster era and civil rights era is very interesting to me, too. My favorite historical period actually does stand a few decades. It's from the 20s through the 40s. And my reasoning for that is at that time, there was so much idealism. In that same vein, there was still a, you know, the mob was really getting not popular, but very dangerous and There was a lot of good and a lot of bad. It was just the perfect time where you had this cookie-cutter lifestyle, but you also had violence. And once the depression happened, struggle. So it was just kind of like the happiness, the sadness, everything lobbed into one and during the war it was there was a lot of patriotism and that was just I think that's amazing. The next question is, what scares you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, heights or spiders. It could be something in your life, like your kids growing up, something like that. What scares Aaron? Spiders. I can't stand spiders either. What scares Rachel? 
Ever since I was a child, I've been afraid of the car crashing into the water and not being able to get out. She needs one of those little hammer pick things you put in the like that. glove compartment. You know what? I don't know what I did with mine after I got rammed in dry land. But What scares Jessica? Her kids becoming teenagers and global warming. Actually, I'm actually kind of well known for the thing that scares me most. And sadly, I won't even say it, but I'll spell it for you. <laughs> I have a thing about S-N-A-K-E-S's. Without question, the the thing of nightmares. So are you afraid if you say it, it's like you're calling them to you? No, I'm just afraid if I say it, that I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, ma'am. I, you know what? My fear of them is legendary. Well-grounded. Now, I, I will say this. It is well-grounded. I had a very traumatic experience in a 4-H, and that was the end of that. But it's like, I don't know the they might hear honestly failure uh really does uh, i'm a big like i'm very goal driven so failure is a big i don't like to fail sure. but if i had to say something physically i cannot stand snakes <laughs> <laughs> amy what scares you honestly the the best thing i can think of that really truly scares me is um is the unknown and by that like I, I, I'm afraid of like the possibility of demons and malevolent spirits and, and just not ever like knowing that as, as a human, as the human race, we can never know everything. Mm -hmm. And so the unknown kind of freaks me out and scares me because it's not there and it's not, I can't just take it in and learn it and know what it's about. So I think that, I mean, that's the best thing that I can think of because I don't really have any like real phobias or anything. So it just kind of goes into the, not really, the unknown has always really frightened me. Okay. Fair enough. That scares me too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's why you never, ever tempt the spirits, <laughs> right? never tempt the spirits, exactly. Just saying. I feel like even if I'm watching something on television about not so nice spirits or reading something about them, that I'm tempting them and then I'm freaked out for weeks. And so <laughs> I try not to uh, read or watch things like that very often. Sure. Okay, and so April, same thing. What scares you? This was so hard for me. I was sitting there earlier today trying to figure it out, and I finally got my son. I said, what scares me? And he just looked at me and went, Mom, you're afraid of snakes. <laughs> All the silly things. I And he's right. I'm terrified of snakes. Ghosts don't scare me. I do agree with Amy. The unknown. I'm such a control freak. That yes. does <laughs> terrify me. I do not like not knowing what's going to happen. I hate it. I yes, ma'am. But snakes, I know that sounds silly, but I hate them with a passion. I won't even go into the reptile house, or if they get me in it at the zoo, I won't go past the lizards. I hate the snakes. <laughs> I can't stand them. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. I just, when I see them, I always think, ooh, what a pretty belt or shoes. <laughs> that's exactly that's the best you're going to get out of me. Diane thinks, where's the hoe yeah. or the shovel? And then she chops them into little pieces. Look, when I'm walking <laughs> around our yard here in Florida, I do carry a shovel with me because for some reason, snakes are attracted to me. I don't know what it is, but I'll turn around and there's a snake all of a sudden. So, Oh, that would be horrible. <laughs> you don't want to hang out with me in yeah, the wild. She, she's part of the Slytherin house, if you know Harry Potter. <laughs> She's definitely partial tongue. I would, just, I would have a heart attack. Oh. Okay, and then we have next Carbon Lilies. Okay, so I am afraid of falling. Not heights. I love heights. But to actually get up to them, and that's that's the problem. If I'm inside in an elevator, I'm good. But to climb a ladder or something like that just terrifies me. So I don't like falling. Okay, 
Have you have you ever fallen, or it's just no, no? It's just the fact that I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Diane too. She doesn't like it when I do sort of soleil moves when she's holding oh the my ladder. God, she's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, look at this move, and she's like, would you just fix that and get down now? <laughs> I think for me, I, uh, I'm i afraid of the dark. I'm not such a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being trapped. So not, it's not, I'm not claustrophobic at all. I love small spaces, but I don't like the idea of not being able to get out of any space. So I uh, I think, what was that movie with, um, I think it was Ryan Reynolds who was buried. Alive. Buried. Oh, yeah, it's called Buried. I didn't make it through the first scene. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, that didn't go over too well with me. Oh. And I have a weird fear of being scared. So I'm always kind of on edge because people at work know that I jump really easily and they try to freak me out and they know that I'll cry pretty easily if they scare me enough. So I'm always on edge about actually being scared. And I'm like, you guys, I actually love snakes, so sorry. <laughs> Stephen, what scares you? Uh, I just got married five months ago, so I guess it's too soon to say my wife, isn't it? <laughs> oh, besides I will kick your hiney. No, no, not at all. She's a nice lady. <laughs> Sorry. She's a nice lady. <laughs> she is. Well, I'm glad she's a nice lady since you took her to love, honor, and cherish. <laughs> she doesn't listen because she's scared of ghosts, so I don't have anything to worry about, right? Uh, yeah, until right. I we get will find of- her. Um, well, when you when I first saw the question, I mean, the first thing I thought of was snakes as well because I'm terrified of them. I mean, I'm sitting in our closet right now on the floor. There's a pile of laundry next to me, and my first thought when I came in here was. What if a copperhead got in here and was just, like, nestled in there? (laughs) I I think about those things because I'm OCD and I don't like it. But the more I thought about it, not to get all deep, but I feel like the thing I'm most afraid of is death. Uh, my own death, other people's death, just death. I think that's pretty fair. I think that's why a lot of us get involved with looking at the ghosts and stuff, because that at least provides some kind of, I don't know if you'd say answer, but something about what happens afterward. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that ties into the unknown because sometimes when people pass, where do they go? What's going on? You know, what's it going to be like? You know, what happens like right at that moment and stuff like when I was with my mom. And so it is kind of that is a good fear. What scares me is probably the most humanistic fear, which is the fear of the unknown. Like I'm the type of person who does not like making choices because I know that whatever choice I make, it's kind of like the final answer and you live with it. Mm hmm. That's my fear. I make. I have a fear of making the wrong choice and the unknown being the worst outcome ever. I mean, if you if you take me to yogurt land, I am like, what am I doing? If every single decision I make, I'm like, something's going to happen, and it's either going to be amazing or it's going to be horrible. Yeah, don't go for the gummy worms. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the that's the last thing I would choose. <laughs> All right, and our next question. What has been your favorite History Goes Bump podcast? Aaron didn't have a favorite History Goes Bump podcast. Favorite History Goes Bump episode, The Cecil Hotel, because I'm fascinated with how some places just seem to attract negative events. I also love all the Aussie ones, and that's because she's mentally checking them off as places she needs to visit in the future. Jessica's favorite History Goes Bump podcast so far has been Queens Park. And why, you ask? Because she's Canadian. Oh, there's no question, ma'am. When you guys went to Salem, 
I listened to every word. Like, it was fascinating to me. I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I was so glad you guys went. I'm not surprised to hear that answer. I was like, I'm sure she's going to say the Salem Witch Trials. Well, I, you know, I will say the, the episode that we got to meet up with you guys was a very close second. That one was good. It wasn't as good as a lot of the ghost tours we've done. It was a little commercialized, but it was fun. And the other very, very cool thing is, is that not only was it your first ghost tour, but that was the first ever History Ghost Bump meetup that that actually happened. Probably the Charleston Jail. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, I wonder who suggested that one. (laughs) If I had to say another one, though, it would be the one, the ghost of St. Charles, Missouri. Very cool. Okay, this is the question that was really, really hard, and I expected it, but I was also like, really? Because I can't pick just one. But if I have to pick just one, it would be Haunted Plymouth. I really learned a lot from you guys, history-wise, about the difference in the pilgrims and the purists, and it was just, it was very interesting to learn that the pilgrims were a lot more laid back than Mm -hmm. what history typically, um, or school typically teaches you and that they were very peaceful in the beginning. And, um, I I just really enjoyed that podcast that I think that has been my favorite by far, as far as the the history part of it. It, I just really liked it. And, um, so I think that one was my favorite and a close second was the, uh, road trip Louisville podcast because that is my hometown. So (laughs) it was kind of cool to, hear you guys um, talk about where I'm from and some of the haunted locations there. I really got a kick out of that. So that was cool. April, what has been your favorite episode? It was hard for me too, because I have enjoyed so many of them, but I think it's probably Haunted Plymouth also. I learned <laughs> as a history teacher, I learned a lot that I don't, that I didn't know. And I actually had my class listen to it last week when we were discussing Plymouth. Oh, very oh, cool. And They loved it. And I also had them listen to um, Salem Witch Trials, too, because it was my second favorite. It was so fascinating. I love hearing the stuff and sharing it with them and giving my students a chance to listen to everything from somebody else besides me. (laughs) But no, those were my very favorite. I just I really enjoyed hearing about Plymouth for the most part, how I want to go. It made me want to go even more than Mm -hmm. I already did. Me too, April, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that. We are podcast soulmates. <laughs> are. I'm getting that feeling. <laughs> podcast soulmates. Podcast sisters. I was so thrilled when I found HGB. I couldn't contain it. I've shared with everybody how much I've loved the podcast, all of them, and I have gone through them and picked out what will be good for my class for the rest of the semester. <laughs> so oh, very cool. Thank I have you. different ones picked out just for things to keep them interested. Sure. Well, that's the problem. I I like to listen to stuff you missed in history class, that podcast as well. And that's one of the reasons why I like to listen to it, because it's stuff you never would have heard in school. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you turned me on to that one, too. So thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) And they have a huge back catalog. So you'd be listening to that for forever. Oh, you could. (laughs) I'm so far behind on that one, too. It's unreal. And I've sent my students to that one, too. I it's just, it's just wonderful. It's fun. And I actually, I really liked the Danvers State Hospital, too. That one was fascinating to me. Lana and John, what has been each of your favorite History Goes Bump podcasts? Surprisingly, for me at least, it wasn't Queens Park, which I would have thought it would have been. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't narrow it down to less than three. So um, the Edgar Allan Poe episode from way back in number three, cool. that was phenomenal. Just I, I love Edgar Allan Poe. And then the Myrtles Plantation, just because of... The fact that Patrick was there and we also 
you know, listen to Patrick's podcast quite a bit. Exactly. And then the Salem, the Salem Witch Trials, I just, I'm, that's such a cool part of history that I've always been interested in. And it was, it was a phenomenal episode. And then I guess John has a different one. I think for me, I have to say that out of all of the questions that you guys have asked and I found them all really difficult to answer, this one was extraordinarily hard to come up with an answer because I really don't know how to pick a favorite. I love the interaction that you guys have with each other and the stuff that you come up with is incredible. I mean, we can all read about history. I don't have a brain for history, so I can't remember it very well, but you guys somehow managed to bring it alive in a way that makes it real for me. So I really don't know. It was really tough to come up with one. And so I'm actually in line with the one that I did manage to write down was the Plymouth episode because, again, the same like everybody else was just the fact that it was these these pieces of information that we didn't typically know or, or hear about, right? You don't really get that in the history lessons. So that was huge for me, but really all of them are. So they're such great episodes. So yay for you guys. And actually, one that I didn't account for was the outtakes episode. I absolutely <laughs> loved that. And I think you should have more of those. Stephen, what has been uh, your favorite History Goes Bump podcast? And you can't say Moses Cone Manor. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that. That co-host was charming. Um, Wasn't he? He really was. He was something special. I'm actually, I feel like everybody else is this real good historical one. And my favorite one was the most fun one to me, which was Haunted Disney. Oh, very um, cool. I'm a Disney nerd. Definitely. I was going to say, I know Denise and I bonded over dogs named after Lion King characters last time. Absolutely. So I'm definitely a Disney nerd. And so it it just kind of took two things that I love and put them together and made Haunted Mansion all the more creepy for me. I was telling Diane the other day because we were at the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World. And it would be so much fun to have a History Goes Bump meetup meet up at Disney. That would be that would be so cool. And then, like, go do tours around the area, but, like, everybody go on the Haunted Mansion together. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be a very crowded house. <laughs> <laughs> we have a pop-up, too. It sleeps a few more. I would have to say the, the Cecil Hotel and the Urban Legends. The Cecil Hotel would, is probably because I live in L.A., so it's go. real. I know where it is. I, you know, I've heard of it. Let's just say I'm very afraid of elevators now. <laughs> <laughs> I, whenever I go into the elevator at work, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this happened once. Um, again, fear of the unknown. That one's awesome just because it hits close to home. Mm-hmm. And the urban legends one was fantastic because yeah, you think about these urban legends, but you don't know where they come from. And you don't know the history behind it. So, sure. I mean, growing up, everyone's heard of things like Bloody Mary, and you never understood why or what you saw. Mm-hmm. I was I was too afraid to do any of that stuff. So, <laughs> Plans for Halloween. Aaron's plans for Halloween are possibly trick-or-treating. Rachel's plans for Halloween. I'm hoping to go visit my mom's with the kids. She owns a costume vintage shop, so we can dress up in her costumes, help her decorate go around and get in the spooky Halloween spirit. Jessica's plans for Halloween. We're that house and known in the neighborhood for her Halloween display. And to quote the kids, I give out the good candy. By the way, I have to hide the candy stash from my kids and my husband. I know the kids in our neighborhood. The kids know me, a.k.a. the bus stop mom. And the parents' neighbors enjoy my own version of Halloween insanity. At least that's what they tell me. 
I love Halloween and just bought some new decorations to add to the insane amount of stuff that we have. As of October 1st, her home is in full Halloween mode. We kind of go all out for Halloween for the kids. Um, Now that my kids are, you know, almost human ages, they are less involved in one one of my boys will go to his friend's house and they do a haunted house there and the other one will help me hand out candy but you know for the littles all the little kids we we make them friendly we decorate outside and we put up all kinds of you know the funny type halloween decorations where the witch crashes into the tree and all that stuff probably just stay home and (laughs) hand out candy she's going woohoo big plan well it depends on how you hand hand out candy because that's what we do too but diane has her own flair of um terrifying the young children and freaking them out along with our neighbors it's kind of fun can't do that my neighbor has an 18 month old that kill me. yeah so well, you- i stand at the bottom of the street and catch the itty bitties before yeah. they go up to diane yeah i'm i'm nice about it although there are some itty bitties that come up and they are braver than the big kids <laughs> I know the, one, be all the one little out. girl I was trying to give her candy and she walked right by me and went up to Diane. She's dressed up as like the Grim Reaper, right? Mm-hmm. And really creepy glow in the dark mask with a hood. And she just went up and looked right at her and said, trick or treat. Like, <laughs> I'm like, hon, <laughs> she doesn't have the candy. I do. And Took she all the like, steam out of my sails. I know, I was she like, was oh. just like, whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> it was so funny. Do you decorate for Halloween? I do. I actually just made my um, best friend a Halloween wreath. Awesome. I do do a little bit. I do a lot at work. I have a bulletin board and we'll decorate my office and everything and everybody seems to uh, enjoy it. Well, that's very cool. I'm not very crafty. So anybody who does that kind of stuff, I'm always jealous of you. My husband and I have a son that will turn three the day after Halloween. So, of course, we'll be trick-or-treating. And there's this really, we're still very new to Springfield, like I said earlier. But there's this really cool, uh, very old neighborhood here with lots of beautiful craftsmen and Victorian houses and oak trees line the streets. And apparently they, all the houses in that neighborhood go all out for Halloween with decorating. And so I think we're going to uh, go over there and go trick or treating and um, maybe take our dog. I'm not too sure about him yet. He's a little weird about strangers, but I would like to take him because I think he'd have fun on the walk. Maybe cook a pot of chili. And after the little one goes to bed, my husband and I will have our annual uh, Michael Myers movie marathon. <laughs> All right. And then let's see. Let's go ahead. April, what are you having planned for Halloween? Oh, my son's birthday is actually three days or sorry, two days before Halloween, three days, 28th. So we're doing birthday party on Halloween. He'll be 11. And then I'm sure we're going trick or treating. If I can get him to, he never wants to trick or treat. Ever. I do not know why my my poor child. I love Halloween and my kid doesn't want to trick or treat. It makes me so sad. Wow. We're doing a big birthday party probably and then trick or treating and then we'll come home. And he has had a fascination with the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and has been wanting to watch those. And of course, I'm a huge Wes Craven fan. So we have, I told him on Halloween we could get a couple of them or whatever's on Netflix and we will watch Nightmare on Elm Street. And then also before that, for Halloween, the University of Oklahoma does haunted history tours and those are free and open at any time. And we are actually going to be going to do the haunted history tour at OU. So very that's cool. our big yeah. excitement. That's very cool. So I liked one out of three of those anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not a scary movie person at all. All right, Lana and John, you're up. What do you have planned for Halloween? 
Uh, we haven't entirely settled on our, our plans yet, but the big thing that we will likely end up doing is there's a concert hall in Toronto that on Halloween they're going to be showing Psycho, uh, but with the live Toronto Symphony Orchestra playing. Oh, wow. wow. Now that's yeah, kind of so cool. That we're going to go and do that this year. We'll have our movie marathon ahead of time, so it starts October 1st, and from that point on, it's all scary movies the entire month. So Hey, I'm coming to your guys' house. Make sure actual Halloween. That's <laughs> great. Right. I just became a scary movie widow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't get Denise to join me in that, but I usually some of you, them. you do, and we usually watch the classic ones, which are a lot tamer. And if it's light, I watch scary movies with you. Exactly. And I've watched um, uh, Bates Motel every episode with That's you. That's true. You have been watching Bates Motel. But it's now he's getting of... really creepy, so pretty soon I might not be watching it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Next season, we I might be like, okay, so Norman, much. I'm done. I don't really do the gory, violent ones, but I love the, the thriller, the, the psychological, psychological ones, and the ghosty ones. Alrighty then, Stephen, what will you be doing? First off, just listening, I'm really, really jealous of you, Amy, because I cannot convince my wife to watch the Halloween movies. I'm <laughs> obsessed with them, and when we were dating, I showed her the first one. She got to the point when Laurie and the girls are walking home from school, and he steps out from behind a bush. She said, nope, tapped out, and turned the TV off. Uh, <laughs> that's as far as we... We didn't get to any killing. We only got to that, and then she was done. She's like, no, he's creepy. Gotta go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She gave up on that. She gave up on Scream before Drew Barrymore even died. So, I mean, it was... It, so it, was it's that, hard. Was that the original Halloween or the, the Rob Zombie remake that you guys watched? No, the good one. <laughs> I was just going to say it's like the good one. <laughs> if Rob Zombie is a listener to this podcast somehow, I'm very sorry, but it was not good. It's not, nothing is ever as good as the original, though, so. No, I mean, granted, I'll take the remake over the remake of Halloween 2 any day, but. Oh, don't even get me started. That is the worst movie in the world. I, I, my, I told my husband, I said, no, we, I'm telling you, it's terrible. You don't want to watch it. And he, we, he got like 10 minutes in and he was like, this is awful. Yeah. Tell him. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I got sidetracked. Confession time. I don't think I've done anything fun for Halloween in like five years. <sighs> yeah, I know. I love spooky stuff. I love scary movies. I love Halloween. But five years of nothing, I'm pretty sure. I take it back because I actually proposed on Halloween. So... <laughs> That's I good. forgot about that, which is probably not good. But again, she doesn't listen. <laughs> what does things happen around Halloween? My son was due on Halloween, so I always kind of consider him my Halloween baby. Proposing's good. That works. I have friends that got married on Halloween. <laughs> Most people look at me and kind of cock their head to the side and go, what? But <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realize it was Halloween. I was a nervous wreck, so I just did it. No, I think this year we always talk about big plans, and we always have big plans, and they never actually pan out. Sometimes we'll do a haunted trail or something. Uh, Carowinds, the theme park in Charlotte here, does Scarowinds for Halloween, and they it's basically a bunch of trails, and they run all the roller coasters in the dark and all that good stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, so sometimes we'll try to get to that, but honestly, this year, uh, we close on our house the next week, so I think we're going to be packing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That makes it a little hard to celebrate stuff if you've got everything packed up. Well, I live in a in a town where Christmas is huge, we have the lights and everything, and Halloween is just as large. So we have about 1,500 kids from all over the place that come over. Everyone decorates their home, um, pretty spooky. So I'm going to spend uh, time with my family giving out candy there. Um, 
because just because there are so many kids. And then sure. later on, I will be going to a Halloween party uh, dressed as Chewbacca. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> That'll be a warm costume. That's my idea. And my boyfriend loves Star Wars. I told him, well, everyone's going to show up as couples and some people are going to do you know, things like Han and Leia. Let's turn it on its side and do Han and Chewbacca. That was the bromance. And let's face it, I'll be comfortable and warm. Sure, exactly. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> Did you convince him to do Han Solo? Yes, oh, we good. are. We are locked in for that one. All right. Well, thank you so much, all of you guys, for joining us on this. Have a nice evening. We'll see Thanks. You. It was nice meeting everyone. Yeah, it was nice, yeah, to nice meet meeting everybody. Bye. <laughs> see ya. Nice meeting everybody. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for coming. All right, Denise. Our first question is, what are your favorite scary movies? This is from Phil Childers. I'll let you go ahead and answer while I think about that one. Scary movies. Now, if I'm talking Halloween movies, I always, always, for Halloween, watch Dracula, the original with Bela Lugosi, and also The Nightmare Before Christmas. Those are definitely a couple of my favorite, quote-unquote, Hollywood movies. All of the Universal Monster movies I absolutely adore, from Frankenstein to The Mummy, Son of Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, you name it, I just eat that stuff up. Now, if I was to think about scary movies, one of my favorite scary movies is Aliens. It always, I've always loved that movie. And also, the first Halloween and the second Halloween, I actually like the second Halloween better than the first one. And these are the originals, not the remakes. And then there was a movie that we saw, and I don't know that I would call it my favorite, but it was probably one of the scariest movies I'd ever seen. What was that? Los Turistos? Is that what it was called? Or Los oh, Turistas? Um, yeah, lo- like Los Turistas. Yeah, it was basically Spanish for the tourists. And it, had, it starred Josh Dumel. I know he was in that. And it was terrifying. Had to do with being stuck in a country without your ID, any money, and then you're being chased down by people who want to harvest your organs for the black market. So (laughs) not a lot of fun. I have to tell you, one of the first movies that I ever saw that gave me nightmares is the first Nightmare on Elm Street. And I watched that when I was 13, and I definitely had nightmares. And it was so funny. I had a friend, we watched it at a sleepover, and she was laying with her arm underneath her pillow, but her hand was sticking out on the other end and I was laying across from her and I woke up and all I see is this hand next to my pillow and I don't know where it is because I can't see it attached to anything and I've totally freaked out <laughs> like an idiot. That's um, what happens when you watch those kind of movies, just saying. And then the other scariest movie that I ever saw, The Exorcist. That one definitely gave me nightmares. But if I had to come down to my favorite classic Night of the Living Dead... Okay, well, one of my favorites is definitely either Nightmare Before Christmas, which I absolutely love, and then even though another one that Tim Burton did that's not um, not necess- it's not a Disney movie, but it was Tim Burton, just like the same one who did Nightmare Before Christmas, and I like The Corpse Bride, too. Um, when we get into, like, scary, scary movies, I start getting a little less liking them. We've always had tradition to watch scary movies on Halloween, but I've seen a lot of them with my eyes closed. Or as I'm ripping Diane's arm off and <laughs> causing her to jump. But probably the scariest movie that I can think of that really freaked me out was Silence of the Lambs. Ooh, that's a good one. That was a good scary one. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't like the Gorn stuff. That just, that just makes me ick. But that one, as far as the suspense. You know, that makes me think Seven as well. Seven was a real good movie that way too. Oh, so yeah. Now see, I saw Seven and that was, that was a good one. I don't, I don't like like the Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers. That sh- I know I just disappointed half our listeners or more, <laughs> but, but I do like, I do and I don't like the ones that could be real. Like serial killers, those freak me out probably the most because there's no rhyme or reason to them. And so, and they're real. I mean, serial killers don't come back to life 1,400 times. Thank God. No, this is true. <laughs> Our next question comes from Lana John. What were your first experiences with the paranormal? For me, my very first experience that at least I can recall was when I was a teenager. And it's that story I've told. I think I told it on the Halloween special about hearing the dog in the kitchen walking across the linoleum, even though we didn't have a dog and never had a dog. And my sister heard it too. So I know that wasn't some weird audio, just me imagining something because she heard it too. So that would be my first, what I would consider to be paranormal experience. And for me, I don't really know, probably if the lamp turning on when we just did our last road trip this year was paranormal, that would probably be the first one that I remember happening to me. But the earliest memory I have of a paranormal experience close to us was when my mom told me the story of when her niece was dying. My cousin was dying right at the the end of her death. She said, oh, it's okay now. Mama's here. And the doctor had told my mom that wasn't a hallucination. He saw it all the time on the cancer ward there. And so um, I just remember my mom telling me that, that my cousin had probably seen my aunt to either take her over to the other side or at least an angel disguises my aunt. We're not sure, but she saw mama right before she left. That makes me think that, think about another, what would be considered probably a paranormal experience. It would have happened about the same time that I heard the dog in the house, which now makes me wonder. But I had a friend, I would have been a sophomore in high school, and uh, we messed with the Ouija board. So, I mean, that would have been a paranormal experience because we were talking to something and it, I couldn't see it. <laughs> we did it. We did it twice. Uh, I know the two of us did it twice. And then I did it again a third time when we had a whole big group over because we were all working on the homecoming float at her house. And so it was raining and we all sat down and messed with that then. So I guess both of those were about the same time. Freshman, sophomore in high school is when those those occurrences happened. Hmm. And then I also when I mentioned that in that house, the um we were talking to Janice Carlson on the Tombstone episode, and I'd mentioned being down in the, actually... Was that the Coke Patterson mansion? Yeah, and I'm thinking maybe that was in our bonus material. I don't know if that made it into the, the general show. But anyway, on that, if I, if I didn't mention it, I'll mention it now. I went into the Croak Patterson mansion there, and a baby had been walled up in the wall there. And when I stuck my head into where they'd found the baby, I just got really creeped out the hair on the back of my neck stood up and i had this feeling like you've got i just needed to run i needed to get out of there so i don't know if i was just feeling something in there if it was an excitable teenager and we were doing this for halloween and i was told rumors that the house was haunted or was i feeling the babies what it felt like i don't know but yeah so those are some of my earlier experiences i've had a few since and the most recent of course was the possibly that light turning on. I will tell you that I was listening to, out of Ottawa, there's a group called Haunted Walk, and they do ghost tours up there. 
and I just discovered their podcast, Haunted Talks, and I was listening to it today, and they had a weird light anomaly happen when they were outside of a mattress shop where they sell mattresses, and they were doing the tour outside, and they put a camera up there and were filming it, and all of the lights started flickering and doing weird things in there, and they talked to the management, and they said that had never happened before, but that they had heard rumors that the place was haunted, and it seemed to really be attached to one of the tour guides in particular, because when she walked away from it, it stopped. When she came back, it started again. The gentleman who hosts the show, I think his name is Jim, interviewed an electrician and asked him about it, And he had watched the video, and he said he couldn't think of any electrical occurrence that would cause that. And so I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm a little bit more convinced that what we saw was the real deal. Oh, very cool. Next question is from Julie Brammer. How long does it take you to put one of the shows together from start to finish? Well, I've never actually timed it. I do know that there is a podcast host out there that claims it takes him 30 hours to do a podcast that's like 20 minutes. That is not how long it takes. It does take quite a bit of time, though. Depends upon what you mean by start. If it's, you know, considering what we're going to do, just going through and trying to figure out what we're going to do or reading through people's stuff can take a little bit of time. But I would say getting into the actual research, typing up the script, recording the audio, editing the audio, loading everything up, if that's where we stop and it's not having to get it out you know, going around all the social media and letting it know that letting people know it's out there, that takes quite a bit of time too. But if I just look strictly at the production of the show, depending upon time and topic, because some of them are real easy to get the information and others I have to dig, 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 and then I get, you know, three or four different things and then I have to decide, okay, which one has the most people saying the same thing and that's probably what it is. And then going to censuses and Uh, seeing if the dates were right, if they they had two children named that name or if there was just Yeah, one. that Octagon house I did took forever going through the census and, oh my God, it was a nightmare. I'd never had such a nightmare going through census reports before because apparently yeah. they didn't weren't real good about writing the accurate information on their census forms. <laughs> and then you realize why you shouldn't have been so inaccurate on your census, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what I get for being a jerk. Probably the average show. So take away, take away the... The fast ones and the like the octagon house and what would go right in the middle. I would say the average show takes about seven to eight hours, six, seven, eight, take or give. Some of the shows that are easier, probably get it done in about five. It's just hard for me to gauge because I do a lot of the research. Like when we, sometimes we're sitting at dinner and I'm trying to get it done while we're sitting at dinner because uh, we just don't have a lot of time, which is why I'm so thankful we're getting the research crew. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be like, trying to watch something on TV because I want to have a life too (laughs) and we work full time. So it's just hard for me to gauge because I don't sit down and here we go through the show the whole way. But I would say on average between five to seven hours is an average show. I would agree. Next question comes from Amy Connor. What is your ultimate haunted history destination and why? Well, I know based on the ones that we've done, I would love to go to Scotland. I definitely want to go to Edinburgh Castle. Part of the reason is I've never been to a real castle before. I don't think Cinderella's castle counts. (laughs) So I would love to go because just to see a real castle would be so cool to see the decor that's in there, to see the actual torture devices in person would love it to have an experience there. I don't know if I want to have that, but uh, I've heard lots of stuff about, we've had friends who've gone to the Edinburgh castle and had like, they took a picture of a green mist there love to see the cemeteries that are there. I'm sure they've got to be phenomenal. I just, it's one of the places I've always wanted to go. Based on the fact that we've always had a dream of going to Australia, 
and with what Freya and Rachel, our friends down there, have shared with us about it. I guess I'd never really thought of all the haunted stuff that's going on down there. So I definitely want to go to Port Arthur because it sounded like a beautiful location that had a lot of great history, but also some really weird hauntings. And that place that Freya didn't want to go into, I would want to go in there just to see, even though we're not supposed to do the spirits. <laughs> I would love to go to Alcatraz. Again, I've never been to San Francisco, so I'd love to go to San Francisco. So you get both those together. And I would love to see how the jail was built. I've had these visions and we've seen movies and stuff about it. It just, to me, Alcatraz says gangster and that time period. So it's just something that I'd want to see for that. Charleston is a city that I'm dying to go to, which we will be doing here next year. Dying. Reason How about that you're, you're excited to go to? <laughs> and it's just because I've heard such great stuff about it and that there's a lot of great haunted stuff there. I would love to return to the Stanley Hotel. We've never done the ghost tour there. I've just been on the outside and walked through the lobby and things like that, but never done the ghost tour. So I would love to go to the Stanley Hotel and it'd be really cool to stay there, but I'd love to do the ghost tour there. Wow, those are all really great, great choices. And so I'm lucky I get to go to your dream locations. And so I don't have to name those. Hopefully I'm the one you're taking with you. Well, I guess if I had to. Okay. I would really, really like to go. And I've just started exploring, so I don't know a specific site because they keep it a little bit more hush-hush there. But we are going to China in five years, hopefully. That is the plan. And so I've just now started looking. I found a ghost tour in Beijing and I found one in Shanghai. And so, and I'm sure with just the amount of pain and toil and tears and stuff with the Great Wall that there's got to be some great haunts there. So I'm just now starting to research the places I want to go there because A, that whole part of the world fascinates me. It always has. So it's definitely been a bucket list choice of a vacation destination and a history destination. And now that we're doing the haunts, I'm starting to look into the haunted destinations there. So that's probably my number, number one. Kay Denise, the next question, is there a haunted location you would refuse to go to and why? This is from Rachel. Why don't you go ahead and start with that one, Diane? This is a really good question. I guess if I had to pick a couple off the top of my head, one would be the exorcist house where the actual exorcist exorcism happened that that book was written about, which was actually a young boy, not a girl. And probably that would include the hospital room that he was exercised in. And the other one that is an ultimate, I don't even think I would go in there to eat or dance or anything, is Bobby Mackey's Music World. Because I've just seen so much about that. And there's a lot of demonic elements to it that I wouldn't go there either. And Waverly, we know people have heard us talk about this. I wouldn't go in there at night. Um, very, very good. Yeah, definitely not Waverly at night. Wouldn't mind going up and seeing it, maybe doing the day tour. But for me, it, it would be hard to say just one place, but kind of going along the lines with what um, Diane mentioned about the two places she would not go to is anything that had malevolent, demonic type um, spirits where there might be a portal to something not good. I would never be comfortable going into any of those places. And our next question, what paranormal books do you recommend? This is from Christina Batchelor. I don't know. Some of the books I've enjoyed the most that we picked up on our travels are the ones from Haunted America. And so pretty much any book we've ever gotten from, it's, it's kind of a whole series across the United States, but they all have a very distinctive cover on them. And it's kind of a black and white with the moon, but you'll, 
you would recognize them, but every book that we've ever p- picked up, we've really enjoyed from that has been published under that kind of grouping. But Haunted Chattanooga is a great book. I like that one. There are two men, Chad Lewis and Terry Fisk, and they've written a series of books that are road guide to haunted locations, and they've done them for the specific states. So right now I'm looking at the Florida road guide to haunted locations, and it's the Unexplained Presents. And I believe the Unexplained is Chad Lewis's podcast. And they've got road guides for Wisconsin, South Dakota, Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota. So they've covered a lot of the upper Midwest. So I love those books because it's really nice. It goes through, gives you a quick little history, and then it goes through the different hauntings. So it's it's basically perfect for our show for doing research and that kind of thing. And then when we were in Boston, I picked up this fabulous book called The Element Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Hauntings. And it's by Teresa Chung, I think. It's C-H-E-U-N-G. And it just has all kinds of great stuff in here. Just looking at the table of contents, it goes through, you've got uh, curses, hag, uh, Kachina dolls, the Myrtles Plantation, Oakland Poltergeist, Palantine Light, UFOs, Vampire, Wraith, Zombie. So, I mean, it's got everything in this. And I just think it says it's the ultimate A to Z of spirits, mysteries, and the paranormal. Another great guide there. And as Denny said, those Haunted America, I've been collecting those. Several different authors write them which makes them not only unique because it's a series written by a bunch of different authors, but it's people who are from those locations that are writing those books. So they've been to the places, they may have had experiences there, and they've done the boots on the ground research. So those are phenomenal when it comes to books. And one thing I did want to note, because I'd mentioned I love all the books, but I really liked Haunted Chattanooga. Might be a little bit biased because we did get to meet one of the co-authors from Haunted Chattanooga, and she was very interesting, phenomenal woman. And so I just want to give a shout out to Amy Petula, who we met um, when we did the Chattanooga Ghost Tour. And then I'm like, oh, look, they have one of our books. And she goes, oh, I co-authored that. So she signed it for us. But she had a little museum of oddities and just stories and pictures. So so she was she was definitely top drawer to talk to. And I really like that book, probably a little bit biased because I met the author. And there is one book that I don't own yet that I do want to get a hold of, and that's America's Most Haunted, and it's by uh, Teresa R.G. Gosh, I can't think of the guy's name, so I feel really bad about it, but they host America's Most Haunted podcast. And so I think it's 10 locations that they've gone to and done the histories and the hauntings there. It sounds like a really good book. So I haven't read it yet, so I don't know if it is good, but it looks good. So those would be my recommendations. Well, guys, we want to thank you for joining us for our anniversary special. We look forward to sharing our anniversary special number two next year with you guys. And the best thing that you can do to give us a little anniversary gift is share the show. We would love to have it grow 10 times what it did this last year. Wouldn't that be amazing, Denise, if we came back and said we had a million downloads for the year? Wow, I would be freaking out. And guess what? Diane would probably need to pin, so do it. <laughs> she just wants to see me in Depends. There well, you're you the one who always threatens that you're going <laughs> to wet your pants. That's so. true. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Check out the website at historygoesbump.com.